I'm excited to be here and I'm thankful. I'm thankful for you as, and I know you hear this probably from a lot of college uh, chapel speakers, uh, but I'm thankful for your decision to be at Bible College. And some of you are probably here, uh, many of you are here because God called you here. Some of you might be here because a mom or a dad said, hey, just give God one year. Uh, but I'll tell you that one of the best things you can do is give God some, some time right at the beginning of your life and see what God can do with it. Uh, Lancaster Baptist Church, West Coast Baptist College has a real special place in my heart, my wife's heart. I didn't come here till my master's degree, but we were only here for about 10 months. Uh, but I'll tell you, looking back, God did more in those 10 months of my life than he had up until I came here. And of course, have great friends and thankful for, uh, for the time here. And so I just want to tell you, as a, as a friend, I pray for you and I pray for the college every week and pray for the students at least once a week. Of course, not by name. Uh, I don't know any of you. But, uh, you know, maybe there's a Joe here. Joe, I've prayed for you before because that's an easy name. Uh, but I just pray for things and, and praying for the Lord to work in your life. Did you just get that? That just registered. Oh, you're Joe? No, it wasn't you. Uh, but I pray for you and pray for the Lord to work in your life and uh, for God to work today. I just want to be a blessing to you. And I think that we'll have a good time in the Word of God. Genesis chapter 18, Hebrews 11, we'll be there in just a second. How many of you would be honest that you're like me and uh, you're indecisive? You had a hard, have a hard time making up your mind. Raise your hand. All right, good. Well, I'm, a, I'm the same way. I have a hard time making up my mind. And uh, my family's the same way. And unfortunately, my daughter's the same way. Where's my daughter at? Lena, where are you at? My daughter right over here, I'm not going to make her stand, but I bought, brought Lena with me. And in all honesty, Dr. I, I brought her to see you. Uh, because I, I don't know whether it was a couple years ago or something, but you, of course, are great at recruiting for the school. And um, she said that you promised her a palace. I think she meant dorm room, but palace is what came out. And so I brought my princess to see her palace, so afterwards we can connect about that. But my daughter, she's indecisive, and, and I'm indecisive. And, and uh, my wife, though, my wife's not indecisive. As a matter of fact... Um, when she was in college, and she's been, Hannah's just loved the Lord and really been focused on the Lord for, since she was about 15, 16 years old. And when she was in college, she was not indecisive. She just knew what she wanted and, and when she wanted it, and she just made up her mind. And uh, it kind of got her a nickname when she was in school, and, and uh, her nickname in school was, was Shooter. The reason is because guys would come up and Try to ask her, you know, hey, Hannah, would you like to go to, you know, whatever date night they had? And her response was usually, no. <laughs> she just shot him down right away. There was one fellow one time, and she did give me permission to tell you this, but there was a fellow one time that he came up, and he, uh, <clears throat> he sat down. He was from the south, and he, she is sitting down. It was about 6.30 in the morning here on campus, and I don't know, one of the benches around, probably gone now, but he came, and I don't know if I've told the story here before, but he sat down by her, and he just heard her maiden name's Perkins. He said, Miss Perkins. He said, I was just them looking, looking up at them, their jet lines in the sky. And I saw how them two lines, they crossed. And I figured that was your life and mine right now. And God has us here. True story. God has us here in this moment for our paths to cross. Again, true story. My wife, without missing a beat, 
She called him by name and said, do you see that part where those two lines go the opposite directions? <laughs> he looked up and he said, yes, ma'am. She stood up and said, that's right now. She does not have a problem making up her mind. Now, I'm thankful that I coerced her to marry me. But you know what? Maybe, maybe you're more like me and, and you're a little indecisive. And you know what? Sometimes the, the thing that leads us to be indecisive is doubt. And this isn't a very spiritual thing to say. Um, and sometimes we, uh, we like to hide behind it. But I'd venture to say that every single person in here, regardless of if you've known Jesus and been saved for a year, or if you've known him and been saved since you were four or five years old or six years old, every single one of us deal constantly with doubt. I'm not talking about doubting salvation. I'm talking about the doubt that when God asks you or comes to you and says, here's a step of faith or a step of trust I want you to take, Oftentimes, we struggle with just saying, okay, God, we can do that. We struggle with making a decision to trust the Lord, and the reason is because we doubt. And I want to talk with you this morning, just for the next 20 or 30 minutes, about dealing with doubt. This has been a help to me, and it's been a passage, and two passages in particular, that I think will be an encouragement to us today. And we're going to learn this morning how we, like many other believers who have gone before, how can we overcome doubt? Your doubt might be in regards to being at school. God, do you really want me here? Your doubt might be in regards to just witnessing to a coworker. God, do, I really, do you really want me to speak to them about this? Your doubt, it might be about a situation back home. God, are you really in control of my mom's health or my dad's health? Are you, are you really in control of that? This morning, I want to take the word of God and I want to help us. Really just something that God's helping me with still right now that you and I, we can come to the same conclusion that many believers have come to before, and we can overcome doubt. You don't have to live a life. Now, we're going to face it all the time, but every time you face it, you can make up your mind, you know what? I know God, and I know I can trust him. Genesis 18, stand with me, if you would, just for a few moments as we read this passage. Genesis 18, and then also I told you Hebrews 11. I will say when we get to Hebrews 11, that'll be right near the end of the message, and so we won't be there for a while. But Genesis 18, and verse number 9, familiar portion of Scripture, says, And they said unto him, Where, where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. The uh, story, of course, you know, Abram, Abraham uh, is there, and the angels are there, and he's entertaining them. That's kind of the scenario that's taking place. Verse number 10. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarai, or Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, Am I waxed old? Shall I have pleasure in my Lord being old also? And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laughed not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. And the man rose up from thence and looked toward Sodom, and Abram, uh, Abraham went with them. 
to bring them on the way. And we'll stop right there. When you come to this familiar portion of Scripture, we know the story, and remain standing just for a second, we'll pray, but we know the story of the situation. God had come and he had given Abraham and Sarah the promise that they would have a child. Of course, that first promise was given in Genesis chapter number 12. But here it's reiterated, and I'll repeat this again, it's reiterated in Genesis 15, but what I want you to see is the laugh that Sarah gave. The Bible says that when that promise was given, that Sarah laughed in the doorway. I don't believe, after doing research, I don't believe that this laughter was a mocking laughter. It was a doubt laughter. We even know that from her words because she was just kind of there and you're going to have a child and she's, you know, at this time she's older. The first promise was given when she was probably in her mid-60s and now she's probably in her early 70s. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> There's no way. And yet what we're going to discover is that Sarah moved from doubt to the decision of faith. And I believe it's because of one thing. We're going to see it today. And so with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, let's pray and let's ask the Lord to bless our time. And I would ask you if you would, um, just in the quietness of your own heart, would you give God permission to speak to you this morning? God, I want you to speak to me. God, I give you permission to work in my life this morning. And then before we really get into the message, would you give God permission to speak to you? But not only that, would you make the commitment that if he speaks to you, that you'll respond to him? God, I ask you to speak to me. And Lord, if you speak to me, I'm listening and I'll respond to you. Dear Lord, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for how you use it to shape us and to work in our lives. I pray, Father, that as we get into the Word of God, I ask you that you would once again use it to help us and to challenge us. Lord, shape our decisions for the day. God, I pray that the message today would move us through this Tuesday and into Wednesday. Lord, that we would understand how we can even apply these thoughts, not in a year or two years, but this week. Lord, we give you permission to work. We ask you to work. God, I humble my heart before you and recognize that I need you. And I have nothing to offer except for that which you give. And so I pray that you would give your word and your spirit this morning and speak to us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. I know many of you are familiar with the life of Abraham and Sarah. We would know that God came to Abraham in the land of the Ur of the Chaldees and God spoke to him and really called Abraham to be a faith follower of Jesus, or excuse me, a faith follower of God the Father. And, and we know the story, how they packed up and they, God would move them into the promised land and really uh, Abraham and Sarah would be the patriarchs of Israel's history. And so I'm not going to get into all of that this morning, but I just want us to see a few thoughts today. And the first thing I want you to notice with me that I'm calling is just the simple, the declaration of God. The declaration of God. This is the promise that was given to Abraham and to Sarah. The promise that I uh, alluded to just a moment ago. We read in Genesis 18 how the Lord is reiterating the promise that he made. The promise that Abraham and Sarah would have a child. 
Now that promise was first given, Genesis chapter number 12. It was alluded to a couple of times, but Genesis 12, 7, it says, The Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. And uh, that promise was made, of course, not in, in uh, the, direct line, uh, the, the direct comment. He didn't say, You're going to have a son named Isaac. He just said, I'm going to give the land to your seed. And that, that was the promise of Genesis 12. Well, later on, when... Uh, um, Abraham would be older, we would read in Genesis 15 that the promise would be reiterated again. Uh, it's reiterated because uh, Abraham says, Lord, you haven't given me seed yet, but what about my servant? Why don't you uh, just bless my line through the servant? And God said, no, I promised you that I'm going to give you a child. This is a declaration that God had made, a promise that the Lord had made to Abraham and to Sarah. I'm going to bring to pass my word in your life, I'm, it's going to come true. Abraham, I declare to you that if you will follow me by faith, there's some promises that I guarantee will happen in your life. Now we know, and you know the story, that Abraham and Sarah, they're old. Now I don't say that in my church anymore because of our, we have our class is the Recycled Teenagers class. That's the 55 and older and they call themselves that. There was an old World War II vet. Dr. R., you might have met him in those early years. He's since passed away. But he came up, and his name was Don. He said, he said Pastor, this is right after we started the church. He said, Pastor, I don't like, we don't like you calling us senior saints. He's like, it just makes us feel old. And we know we're old. We don't need to be reminded of it. I was like, well, Don, what do you want to be called? He was like, well, I'll talk to the other old people, and we'll find out. <laughs> He goes and he came back a week later and he was like, well, pastor, we're, uh, we're young at heart. So we, f we really feel like teenagers, but we know we've been around the block a time or two and we've been, well, thrown out. So we're recycled. So can you call us the recycled teenagers? I was like, I love it. That's a great name. Okay. Abraham and Sarah, they're recycled teenagers. They're in the fifties or sixties and seventies. That's their age category. And so for this promise to be given, some of you are in your 50s and 60s and your professors here. I apologize for saying that. I love you. Um, <laughs> this promise has been given to him later on in life. Can you, can you imagine kind of the, I don't know, the feelings that they're going through? Do you think that they were expecting this? Do you think when Abraham packed up from Ur of Chaldees and began traveling that he was expecting, you know, I think when I'm, I don't know, 100 years old, we're going to have a child. I don't think he was expecting this. This is something that they were not expecting that would be really a miraculous accomplishment. And, and the promise is simply this. Abraham, take me at my word and I will work a wonder in your life. You know what's interesting is you and I, we have some of the most miraculous, or excuse me, amazing promises made to us as well. But because we're in church or because we're in chapel, because we're in Bible college, we hear promises all the time and we just think, well, you know, that's okay. But I'll give you real quick just some promises that God said, if you will take me at my word, I promise this will happen. Here's one we breeze right over. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thy own understanding. In all thy ways, acknowledge him. Take note of him. And he will, he shall, what? Direct your path. I just don't know what to do in life. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. 
Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he'll direct thy path. Listen, that is a, that's, a, that's an amazing promise from God. Lean on me. Don't turn into your own wisdom, but lean on me and I will show you the decisions to make. How about the promise James 1.5? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, which giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. It shall what? Be given to him. There's two things in life that God promises to give you immediately when you ask. Wisdom and grace. And you think about the two things that you're going to need in life. You need grace, which is God's enabling strength. That's just to get through it. And wisdom to navigate it. Those are the two things God says he'll give you if you ask. That's a great promise from God. How about he saith unto them, of course, this is to the disciples, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. I believe the application is there for any disciple or follower of Jesus. That you follow him, you just put him first. God's going to help you find people that need him. That's a great promise. Matthew 6, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. You say, Pastor, these are all verses that we know. Right, they're promises that we know. We don't think they're just that miraculous. But we miss it. Seek ye first. That doesn't just mean put God first. No, seek him in every area of your life just determined to pursue after God. And he says, then I'll, I'll bless. All these things will be added to you. A great one I think many Christians breeze right over is Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 through 30. What's it say? Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What is that rest it's talking about? Man, it's talking about an inner peace. When you and I, when we come to the Lord and we continually bring our burdens to him, you know what God says? I'll bring peace to your heart. Well, yeah, I've heard that before. That's our problem sometimes. Man, we, we look at the declarations of God, the promises of God, and we think, yeah, that's a good promise, but it's not really to me. Here's Sarah. Yeah, you know, I know, I know God said I could have a child, but that, yeah, that's, no, that's not really going to happen. We have promises that have been given to us, and they hinge, just like Abraham and Sarah's promise, they hinge upon faith. I noticed first this morning the declaration. Now, what you see secondly, the doubt. The doubt. As our story with Abraham and Sarah continues, we see that Abraham and Sarah, they struggle with trusting the Lord and taking him in his word. When they heard the promise, they, I mean, God spoke to them. They doubted, they had hesitation, they had a moment of indecision. If you were to go to Genesis 15, you would read these verses, verse 2 through 4. It says, And Abram said, Lord God, wilt thou, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? The steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. And lo, one born in my, ho in my house is mine heir. And, lo, and behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And so Abraham, Genesis 15, remember the promise is given in Genesis 12, 15, Abraham's doubting. Abraham's saying, God, I, I know you said that, but did you really mean it? There's this doubt building up in his heart. And of course, we all know that their doubt led them to have Ishmael through Hagar and, and that doubt led them down a wrong decision path. That hesitation, that indecision. You go to Genesis 17 and you find that they struggle again. 
with doubt. Genesis 17, 15 through 19, you can read that later. It was Abraham saying, well, just full, God, fulfill your promise through Ishmael. We, we messed up, but fulfill your promise through him. And God said, no, I'm still going to give you a child. It's mentioned there that Abram laughed at the promise. And again, not a laugh of disrespect, a laugh of doubt. How can this be? I see no possible way of this taking place. And then in our passage in Genesis 18, it says, Therefore Sarah laughed within herself. She's looking at how, how is everything going to take place. You know, with them, trust was not an immediate decision. They didn't just say, oh, we're going to have a child. Great. All right. We're on board with that. They came and said, we're going to have a child. <laughs> that's not happening. You know how old we are? God, that's impossible. They were hesitant to just trust his word. Can I say that for most believers, this is an area where we may be a little standoffish to admit. Because, again, as I stated at the beginning, it's not very spiritual to admit that we struggle with trusting God. You know, we like to have the answers, right? Oh, the school bill's coming up. Hey, I just trust God. I just trust God. But inside, we're going, <laughs> I'm so getting kicked out. I don't know, do, you, do people get kicked out if they don't pay their school bill? Like, it's a certain point, right? I know for me, that was a fear, like, all through college. But we don't want to, you know, you don't admit that. You don't admit the doubt. Some of you have health situations. I mentioned it with families at home. You're not going to walk into your dorm room one day and be like, man, I'm really struggling. Like, I don't know what's going on with my mom, and I, <laughs> I'm burdened about it. You're going to walk in, someone's going to say, hey, how's your mom? Oh, she's, man, praise the Lord. We're just trusting God. But all the while, your heart is sinking, saying, God, are you really behind all this? God, are you really working? We deal with doubt. We deal with hesitation. I tell you, probably one of the scariest moments of ministry so far was when we went to start our church. I remember when God really put it in my heart. And I'm not going to give you the whole story. I don't have time to do that. But when God put it in our heart to start Moses Lake Baptist Church and this March will be nine years since we've started and we'll be in our 10th year and God's blessed and we praise the Lord for it. And I'd ask you to pray for us. We have, uh, we find out tonight if we get property and we've made an offer on some property and we find out tonight in a, in a meeting. And so pray for us about that. But you know what? I remember when we were first starting, I remember that first Sunday and I had all these dreams and ambitions and I, you know, had all these goals. And I remember I printed up, you know, all these bulletins and, I was in the office and it was, you know, nine, I don't know, nine thirty, and we were going to start the main service at eleven that day. And the getch, I remember being in there and I had this all this excitement, and then it was like someone punched me in the stomach, and I thought like, no one's going to show up. Like God, are you sure about this? And I just, I just remember, I just remember wrestling with that. And for months wrestling, and still to this day, wrestling with not the doubt of did we do it right, but now for us, it's, man, I'm doubting going on with this property, and I'm doubting what's taking place in, in discipleship, and I'm doubting what the next step is in this area. You see, we all have to deal with this because every one of us, we struggle with doubt. We hesitate if we think God's really going to come through like he said he would. We have this internal battle going on. The fact of the matter is this, that when God asks us to take steps of, steps of faith, 
Whether they're a super large step of faith like starting a church or a baby step like giving this building offering. We struggle with it. Did you know that that's not, <clears throat> it's not only us. You could probably think of so many people in scripture that struggle with doubt. From Genesis all the way to Revelation, people who struggle with it. I think of Mary, the mother of Jesus. She struggled with doubt. Well, how'd she struggle with doubt? Lord, how can these things be, seeing I know not a man? How, how's this going to happen? And was re the Lord reiterated to her, hey, with God, all things are possible. With God, nothing shall be impossible. And Abraham and Sarah, they've been given this promise in their old age. They're going to have a child, but they, like countless others, they doubt. And God has to remind them, Genesis 18, 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? This morning, I don't know where you are. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what your doubts are this semester. Maybe you're doubting if God will provide. Maybe you're doubting uh, your decision to be at Bible college. Maybe you're doubting if God's going to work in your life or use you. Or maybe you're a senior and you're doubting, man, what's taking place next? Or you're doubting, is God going to show me the plan? Or you're in a relationship and you're doubting, God, are you going to guide this relationship? I, I, again, I don't know what doubt is going on, but every single one of us deal with doubt. And so I want to take just the next couple of minutes and I want to give you this thought. How can we turn the declaration of God that brings doubt into our heart, how can we turn it into a decision? That's the third thing I want you to see is notice the decision in the passage. We know from scripture that ultimately Abraham and Sarah, they were called to trust God and ultimately they did trust God. But specifically, I want us to see it from Sarah's standpoint and in our passage, we're reminded of the promise that God brought to Abraham and Sarah. And we see Sarah's doubt here, but we know that ultimately Sarah chose to trust. Where do we know that from? Hebrews 11. Take your Bible and go there, if you would, to Hebrews 11. And I want you to notice Hebrews 11.11. 11. Hebrews 11.11. 11. Of course, speaking of Abraham and Sarah, we read these words. Hebrews 11 and verse number 11. It says this, through faith. Also, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. All right. So through faith, it came to pass. Well, how did it come to pass? Look at the last part of the verse. Because she judged him faithful who had promised. She judged him faithful who had promised. I want you to notice a couple of thoughts with me about this. Abraham and Sarah, they chose to trust and obey God when they did not know how God was going to accomplish what he had said. They didn't know how it was going to take place, and yet they still trusted. They didn't know how they were going to have children, and yet they both believed that God could do it. Ultimately, they decided we're just going to trust, even though we don't know how. They chose to trust and obey when they didn't know when. Man, there was a 25 to 30 year span from the very first time the promise was given to the time that Isaac was born. I mean, one of the reasons of Sarah's laughter in Genesis 18 is because it's, the promise was given years earlier. And yet they chose to trust. They chose to trust when they didn't know why God was working. God, why us? God, why are you doing this with us? Why not Ishmael? Why not Eliezer? Why not, uh, the, why not do it through the, another person? And yet they chose to trust. So what's the key? What's the key to their decision? What took them from doubt to faith? What caused them to decide, okay, God, we can trust you even though we don't see the outcome? Well, it's given to us in that phrase I just read. She was able to trust and she moved by faith because 
she judged him faithful. The word judged, it means she deemed or considered or she took into account. She took into account the faithfulness of God. Do you know what Sarah did? She looked back and she decided with authority, the Lord is worth trusting. Why? Because he had never let, her, let, let him down, or excuse me, let her down. God had never let her down. And so she said, since he's never let me down, he has not given me a reason not to trust him. God has always come through for me, and so I can keep trusting him. He's always come through for my husband, and so I can keep trusting him. And she determined that he had not let her down, and he wasn't going to start letting her down. And she, really what she did is she let God's track record in her life speak for itself. And she determined, I can make this decision. Why? Because I'm trusting in a trustworthy God. Can I just tell you this morning that in your life and in my life, faith steps are often very difficult to take. We doubt, we hesitate. But I want to challenge you to ask God to help you to come to the same conclusion that Abraham and Sarah came to. I have a God who's worth trusting in. My God really is able. When the Lord asks me to take a step of faith and it seems like it's impossible Sometimes we have to allow our faith to be strengthened. Well, how do we get it strengthened? Well, we come to the place that we remember nothing's too hard for God. He is not in the business of failing people. God promised Abraham and Sarah a son and they had to wait 25 years for the fulfillment of the promise. And you know what? Waiting for us is one of the most difficult disciplines in the Christian life. Especially in our culture. We live in an instant culture. It's amazing to me just how much our culture has progressed in 25 years. I, it, that it's astounding to me. And you'd say, I mean, some of you aren't, aren't even 25 years, most of you aren't even 25 years old yet. And just in, and I'm, I'm only, I'll be 37 this year, just in my lifetime, just in the last 20 years since I graduated high school, man, I have seen so much take place. And the sad thing is that's bled over into Christianity. And we want answers now. God, I want to know, I want to know how you're going to do this now. God, I want to know how you're going to provide now. And God doesn't work on our timetable. God calls us to trust. He calls you to just say, God, I know you're trustworthy and you're not going to fail me. You know what we like to do, though, is we like to maybe say, well, see, Sarah, she was old, so she, she had that track record to look at. I'm only 18, I'm only 19, I'm only 21. I, I don't have a big track record to look at. Look at God's track record in somebody else's life. And you're going to find this out. God works in different ways than you and I think. He works in ways that we don't plan. But write it down that God always works. And sometimes God is working behind the scenes. We want to see him right on the center stage. But sometimes like an Esther, God is saying, hey, you don't know what I'm doing in this. Sometimes in the life of Joseph, Joseph goes and, and for 13 years, Joseph is wondering, God, you gave me that vision. You gave me the dreams. You gave me the goals. God, when is that going to happen? And yet at the end of Joseph's life, he could look back and he said, listen, I never knew how it was going to happen or why it was going to happen, but I just trusted God. You meant it evil, but God meant it to good. In your life and in my life, we just sometimes need to look at God's track record. 
And we can choose to trust him even when we don't know when something is going to happen, how it's going to happen, or why it's going to happen. Why? Because we can judge him faithful. God's never mistreated us. God's never left us alone. God's never shown himself as untrustworthy. But you know what the problem is sometimes? Did you know that it's really easy? It's really easy for me to trust my wife. You know why? She's my best friend. I know her. I know everything about her. I'm still learning her. You know why it's easy for that little girl over there to trust me as her dad? It's because she knows me. It's because she spent time with me. Can I just tell you this morning, one of the reasons that you and I struggle with trusting God is because we don't know him. Because you'll trust who you know. They say Bible college is one of the easiest places to backslide, and, and I agree with that. But it's easy to backslide anywhere as a Christian. And we move away from our relationship with God. And can I tell you, you can come here and you can get all the knowledge you need. You can get all the preaching you need. You can get all of the uh, music classes you need, ministry philosophy ideas that you need. You can get everything. You can come here and get all of that. But if you walk out of these doors and you don't know God, it was pointless. And if you come to Bible college and you meet that special one and you go out to set the world ablaze for Christ, but you don't know God, you're going to fall flat on your face. And I could leave here today and have this great mindset of what God's going to do at Moses Lake Baptist Church. But if I don't get up tomorrow and spend time with my Savior and get to know him, if I'm not spending time in prayer and understanding that this life is not about just how I dot my I's and cross my T's as a Christian. No, listen, you need to know God because when you and I know God, you know what God does? He says, hey, I'll make it easier for you to trust me. Why? Because I trust who I know. You want to know why some of you struggle with doubt so much? How consistent is your walk and your relationship with God? Oh, I'm not talking about just checking the box. I read my Bible today. You know, I prayed today. When's the last time you sensed, I need God? I need Him. You can wake up tomorrow and I need my phone. I need, to, I need to get a hold of my girlfriend. I need to call my boyfriend. I need to, no, we need to wake up tomorrow. I, God, I need you. God, I'm looking at this life and I'm looking at Bible college and I'm looking at, at graduating. God, I, I'm looking at getting married. God, I just need you. We trust who we know. So I want to ask you to make two decisions today. Number one, I want to ask you that you'd make the decision, God, I'm committing to allow you to help me to move from doubt to faith. Whatever, whatever level it's on, God, I'm committing to allow you to help me to move from doubt to faith. But then the second decision is, God, I'm only committing this because I commit to get to know you. You know why Sarah said she deemed him faithful? 
Oh, Sarah and Abram, they, weren't, they were not perfect. They struggled. But you know what happened? They just got close to God, and pretty soon they found out he's worth trusting. I don't know where you are today, but I know what I need, and I constantly need to be reminded. I trust who I know. I'll trust who I know. Will you make the decision, God, I'm going to get to know you, then I'll trust you. Most of you are saved. You trusted Jesus with eternity. Let's just make the decision to start trusting him with every day. A lot of Christians, they move from relationship to religion. We got saved by grace and because of relationship. But we move to performance-based acceptance. Let's get away from that. Let's say, God, I'm going to trust you because I'm going to get to know you.